0: Jack and I are back with our new, with a brand new episode of A Youthful Take.
1: Fresh episode. Unless Let's you go. forgot. My name's Jack Stalford.
0: My name is Sam Greenberg.
1: Let's get right into it. All why, right. Why wait?
0: So, here are four headlines for the week that we're going to discuss, and then we're going to yep. go more in depth shortly. So, first, John, Donald Trump indicted again in Georgia. The tragic fires in Hawaii. Terrible news. Uh, uh, taking a long recovery. Um... Number three for us, Hunter Biden was recently, a new investigation into him and his foreign dealings. And fourth, this happened a couple of weeks ago, but a coup in the West African nation of Niger. All right, Jack, get us started. Let's, let's kick um, it off. Donald Trump was indicted again. What happened and how do you feel about it?
1: The Donald was, uh, on Monday, former President Donald Trump, I like to refer to him as former President Donald Trump. Right was indicted in Georgia for his efforts to once again try to overturn the 2020 election. Doesn't that sound a little familiar? I'm getting a little deja vu here, Sam. <laughs> what did he do? Well, he tried to, I'm going to do air quotes here, undo his own loss.
0: Just find me 11,000...
1: Yeah, he called, you know, just a casual call with crazy Georgia's quote, Secretary crazy of State to you can't to that you know, 11,780 votes for him. Nothing too big. I wish we could play the clip, he, but he says... He
0: find me eleven thousand seven hundred eighty votes. word yeah. for work. Can't yeah, do that.
1: That's, that's just chill conversation, you know.
0: That's, that's a little. He's request. just
1: making convo. He harassed an election worker <laughs> who was faced <laughs> who faced false claims of fraud. <laughs> he, he tried to get his own new electoral college brought in for the election, and even this is kind of crazy. Had his lawyer attempt to steal data from a voting machine. Is that company.
0: Rudy? Is that Mr. Giuliani?
1: I do not know. Some I don't think it's Rudy. Some some guy. I don't think it's the big R. What are his charges? Well, Fulton County DA Fannie Willis brought about thirteen charges to former prez Mr. Trump. Of these thirteen, the most notable, I would say, is the one about his RICO violation. If you don't know, RICO stands for Racketeer Influenced and Corrupt Organizations Act. Oh, I heard about this today.
0: Thank you for mentioning that because my tennis teacher was a big New Yorker. He's really interested in the mob. He okay. finds it fascinating. Oh, yeah. He was talking about this, and he was saying, like, um, how the RICO charges uh-huh. used to be used against mobsters, high-level yes, mobsters. I was about, yeah. You're about this to is, say that? This, this is what is they would use on, like, the heads of the families, like, fewer, some godfather
1: type yeah. stuff. It's most commonly used against, you know, criminal enterprises. Bang, bang on. Mobsters. Exactly. You would hear it, in Sopranos episodes,
0: we don't want to violate the Rico. The Rico man,
1: <laughs> so, hey, you buddy, know, buddy the Rico. Uh, it says you know it says something about Trump and his squad of eighteen.
0: They're they're mobsters.
1: Uh, fun fact but here. I'll take I that
0: like, back. I'm not going to call them mobsters. I wouldn't go mob, that far. I wouldn't go that far. But mob esque in a way. They're mob esque. So well, one could, one, could,
1: one could argue. Hey, they're being charged as mobsters. One
0: could argue. Yeah.
1: Fun fact. Ninety. This is Trump's ninety first charge over four criminal cases. Let's get to 100.
0: For, I mean, you, I don't know if you will. Are there any more? But if, I, don't know. I don't know. All right.
1: Um How I think it's, you know, I think it's great that we're hammering these charges and indictments down his throat. Think it, right. Here the more the merrier term <laughs> applies. Uh, he deserves to be in jail and, you know, never be allowed to run for president again. Not to be
0: so partisan, but it's not hard not, sp- It's hard not to yes. feel that way at this point. I hate we. I mean, we realize that we're partisan, and we try. I, I. I mean, we put a slight effort not to be, but in cases like this, it's hard. Yeah. All right, moving on.
1: Moving on. So, um, Hunter Biden made headlines in the, this uh, week. Yeah. Sam, what happened with this Hunter Biden fellow?
0: Um. So, Hunter Biden has been engaging in some foreign affairs, some business deals in Eastern European countries. Okay. To say the least, they may be a little shady. Allegedly. Just a little. shady. Maybe some tax issues. (laughs) Things like that are going on. I don't think anyone on the left is claiming that Hunter Biden is perfect. But... So it's definitely going on. So, to build off this, recently, the Department of Justice, Merrick Garland, who is a Democrat... DOJ. uh, DOJ. um, They announced a formal investigation into Hunter Biden. I think they appointed a prosecutor. And they kind of just made it official. Um... So that's what happened. How I feel is that, once again, this is partisan. I'm sorry, but I'm going to be partisan here. Okay. Um, I feel like this is an effort. Obviously, the, the DOJ is currently run by a Democrat, but not to, there is tons of pressure by the Republican side of things to um, investigate Hunter Biden, and it's been coming for like years, maybe not years, but a year, and... It feels to me like Republicans are trying to get the press off Donald Trump and all of his indictments and all these things that is legally that Trump is in deep water in um, and kind of shine a light on Biden's family. And they love to use the term Biden crime family, the Biden crime family. It seems to me like it's just an effort to. So you
1: think it's a strategic move to get things away
0: from Trump. And it's kind of objective that everything I'll try to use. I'm not sure if I'm going to use the right words here. But that the crimes that are alleged against the uh, Trump family are far more drastic and worse than whatever Hunter Biden has yeah. engaged in, I mean, and yeah, it's unclear if if he, if Hunter will be convicted, but it still will be. With that, all that being said, it still won't be a great look for Biden in the upcoming election cycle.
1: Yeah, I don't know if I agree with you on that point, but we have many headlines yet to, to.
0: I mean, it can't be it can't be. Good for him.
1: No, 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 about the, um, the point earlier when you talked about how it's all just, you know.
0: I don't know um, if it's all just, but I think it's definitely an aspect.
1: I think there's pressure, but I don't think, you know, I think he's still not a not a good guy. I don't think we yeah. should give him any pity at all. But moving on. To each one's own. What happened in Hawaii, Sam? Uh, oh,
0: I can ask you this. No, this is you, isn't it? Yeah, I know. All right, Jack. Sorry, my <laughs> bad. We're all good. Jack. What happened in Hawaii, tragically? What happened? And, yeah, tell
1: us. Um, so, probably everyone listening has Heard you know, about some this. sort of basis of what happened in Hawaii. It started, a little backstory, like, as to how it started. It started as a, I, I classified it, a, mid, a mid-tier fire that was allegedly contained in a couple, d- couple hours. Keyword, allegedly, because as heavy gusts picked up later, I think it was... It was either a couple hours later or, like, morning of the next day. Something like that. It caused the fire to rekindle and rage throughout Lahaina, Ma- Maui. It is now officially the deadliest U.S. fire in 100 years. There's still 1,300-plus
0: unbelievable after that's Maui like,
1: wildfires.
0: That's, like, thousands of people. It's, like, 9-11-level disasters. That's crazy. It's uh, yeah. terrible.
1: 101 confirmed dead. Jeez. More than 2,200 structures destroyed or damaged. And Hawaiian Electric is facing a lawsuit in which they are blamed with their power lines being blown over and causing the fires. They're yeah. the ones who have all the power lines. Yeah. They're facing a suit right now. But tip. one silver lining here, or one positive that you could take out of this is their power is actually coming back slowly. Um, just, I'm not religious, but you know, prayers for Mahina. And all the people affected.
0: Yeah, totally agree. I think it's hard to give a take here. It's just a tragedy. There's not much else to say. Very tragic over there.
1: So, Sam, you mentioned a coup earlier.
0: Mm-hmm, I did.
1: Sam, you want to tell me about this coup in West Africa?
0: Yes. So, uh, about two weeks ago, there was a coup d'etat in the West African country of Niger. Um, the, the new government that took over is called the Junta, Hun- junta government and they uh, overthrew the former government which was backed by France oh. and their president was Mohamed Bazoum oh. um, so my take on this is that this is a recurring um, a recurring issue with colonialism and it's a recurring legacy hmm. with colonialism how you see wow. more and more particularly out of Africa lots and lots of anti-western sentiment and sometimes just like this results in a coup Where a pretty conservative anti-Western government takes over, and it's hard to be angry. It's hard to be angry with these. um, It's hard to be angry with this because, for hundreds of years, the French were persecuting uh, Niger and taking all the resources away. And I think it's interesting to look at it through that lens.
1: Yeah, I don't. I honestly do not know enough about this to even give a take. Mm -hmm. So. No take. All take. The only take you're going to get on this issue is from Sam. Um, but that kind of wraps up the news this week. Yeah, We will on. catch you at the interview. See you in a second.
0: Episode Five Interview.
1: We are here with Mr. Sinclair. Hello, Mr. Sinclair. Hello, how are you? Sinclair is one of our favorite teachers here at Brentwood. He teaches history, government, and he's even a cheer coach here. Social justice. Social justice. I do, I do. Mr. Sinclair is an all-around great guy, great teacher.
2: Thank you. (laughs) Thanks for the introduction.
1: Of course, Mr. Sinclair. Let's let's talk about young voters because, you know, you teach them, you teach them government, you teach them U.S. history. Have you seen a shift in political activity among young voters from when you were a teenager to, like, 2023
2: right now? <laughs> 100%. Yeah. Um, so let me, let me back up a tiny bit. Um, so when you say young voter, I think young vote... I think what you are unintentionally referring to as a young voter is a little more expansive of categories, you think. And mm-hmm. it is going to range from everyone of my generation which is like elder millennial, younger Gen X, all the way down. Because voting kind of moves in four year increments. So four years ago, we were the kind of the minority of voters and the crop of people from like, you know, mid Gen X, you know, into Boomer and everything like that. They dominate the numbers of voters. Uh Um, So we're getting into a point where my generation is like really starting to move into policy making positions like we're in yeah. government we do things getting elected voting applies to us in a different way yeah. um so yeah i think the, the rule in politics is uh, old people vote young people don't mm. so like when i was coming up in school it was no oh, young people didn't vote didn't vote they were pretty apathetic and that kind of started to change with um you know john Kerry and barack obama they really activated a lot of young mm-hmm. voters but yeah. um Obviously since 2015 twenty sixteen we've just seen a spike in youth political engagement whether it's um you know kind of the parkland generation or um, even uh, engagement initiatives like by Charlie Kirk and turning point um, just all kinds of things to bring young voters in and to really make them a big part of um, a big part yeah. of the electorate probably because're really savvy on social media and social yeah, media has say, increasingly yeah. Yeah, social media has increasingly been used as a tool for political engagement and activation. So, um, and even just anecdotally, just teaching government, um, students are very, very plugged in on what's happening in a way that they weren't when I started.
1: Yeah. I um, mean, it's so easy for them to just pull up their phone, Instagram, and they see just like a uh, million everyone.
0: headlines. Yeah. Yeah.
2: That's true. That's true. And when these social media outlets started, uh, you know, for better or worse, probably worse, arguably, um, <laughs> it was, uh, you know, a way to connect with friends. And, you know, share memes and stuff like that. And now it's news. There's news everywhere. Instagram it, has news. Yeah. Instagram has editorial content. And, you know, Snapchat has news. And uh, anyone can post it. Yes. And, yeah. Yeah. And news outlets understand this. So, you know, on one hand, you have someone, you know, posting gym selfies, posting <laughs> vacation <laughs> pictures, posting, you know, thirst traps, posting sports <laughs> highlights. Sam loves to and- post
1: thirst traps. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Don't ask who I know.
1: And <laughs> right between all of that, you just see political news. Yeah. And yeah. it's like... It's like it's being woven in. It's just... Exactly. Know.
0: Also, a lot of fake. Not be uh, a little... i to fake say fake news. news, fake news, but like... Yeah. From both... I feel like that is hard to differentiate at times.
2: Yes. So it's definitely um, making media literacy and news consumption abilities um, much, more, uh, much more necessary. But... Um, I think the younger generation is a lot more savvy than people are giving, um, giving respect. And by the younger generation, this time I mean, like, the students in my classroom, not necessarily, you know, me and my <laughs> yeah. fellow...
0: Definitely.
2: Yeah.
0: All right. Yeah, this is more of a pitch, but why do you think young people, like particularly your students, the kids mm-hmm. you work with, should care about social justice and politics in general? And this is more for the kids who are not as involved. Mm-hmm. Um...
2: Because we live in a republic, which means that we elect policymakers who are accountable to us. Mm-hmm. Um, the people who craft policy in a democracy have to craft policy that is in line with what the majority of the people yes. want. So we are in a position to shape the kind of America that we want. Not in terms of, like, you know, who's next president, but, like, really, really, really big things. Um one of the things we look at in U.S. history, for example, is the period from, uh, you know, the beginning of World War II to essentially the beginning of the Vietnam War, which was um the time of the, you know, booming nineteen fifties, mm-hmm. booming economy, you know, GI Bill and everything like that. A lot of things that brought a lot of success to people. So, we can decide like what kind of nation do we want? Do we want a nation that invests a lot of its money, a lot of its energy, a lot of its um, a lot of its capital behind? You know education and social programs do we want to lower poverty do we want to end you know homelessness or do we want to you know kind of move in a different direction do we want to invest in you know promoting certain industries or do we want to um you know build up the military and these these are the big types of decisions that the general consensus can shift and if the general consensus, so to speak, using air quotes, I realize this is an audio format, <laughs> if, you know, the quote-unquote yeah. general consensus yeah. is dominated by older voters,
0: yeah.
2: you're going to see them moving in a very, very different direction, probably holding on to Social Security a little longer than it's financially viable, probably not funding things that are viable for younger generations. And you're going to mm-hmm. see politicians that are going to be um, crafting platforms appealing to these older voters and that's not where we're going to come into a world where we realize policy has been shaped in a way that doesn't benefit us, and we wouldn't have chosen if we had the choice. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that's a big reason to get involved, and social justice really is downstream of that.
0: That's a good point. So if the if the older voters are the ones that are making the most impact, and the politicians will cater to them, then the younger voters won't be heard. I think it's a good point.
1: Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly it. Why, man? Um. We kind of wrote this question to build off of that last mm-hmm. question. Uh, what would you say to like a high school student who claims that their you know their vote won't matter? Why, why would I vote? It's just one vote. Doesn't matter. None of my friends do it. <laughs> what would you say to someone uh, said that?
2: I had a teacher in high school, my civics teacher, actually, really nice guy, um, who did not vote in I want to say the '98 midterm elections, and we were like,
1: "Civics teacher? Really? Yeah, my just literally
2: civics. my civics teacher." <laughs> That's kind of crazy. And we said, why didn't you vote? And he's like, oh. <laughs> um, I think he actually said that. What <laughs> we were far too young to understand at the time is that the structural factors that prevent people from voting were substantially enough that they had prevented him from voting. It probably wasn't that he didn't want to vote or didn't think it was important. Um, so I'll say a couple different things. And there's like six different things you could say to the proverbial non voter. Um, the first is. If you're looking at like the presidential election your vote may not matter in terms of moving the needle mm-hmm. but it matters in the aggregate so the last presidential election had a final popular vote margin of 7 million votes okay. which was 7 million people people 7 million yeah. actual people who decided to cast a vote if they didn't it wouldn't have happened
1: mm-hmm.
2: now yes we all know the popular vote doesn't mean anything However, the president does have a mandate to govern that is proportional to the magnitude of their win. If you win by a huge, huge margin, margin of the popular vote, yeah. clearly you have this mandate to govern.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Okay. Now, how it actually breaks down is state by state. So in Georgia, um, uh, Joe Biden won by eleven thousand seven hundred and That's I think seventy nine votes.
0: That's great. That was that the closest state.
2: Very sm- that was Georgia.
0: Was Arizona closer or
2: was Georgia the closest? I would have to look up Arizona's numbers. Really but Wisconsin, Arizona, Georgia, Pennsylvania, these states are very close. You're talking a part of a Taylor Swift concert. Like, <laughs> you're talking... That's insane. Yeah, two-thirds. Yeah, a, a poorly attended NBA a, game.
1: A poorly attended poorly NBA, NBA game. Yeah, so, like, if
2: you were to go to an Atlanta Hawks game.
1: Yeah.
2: Atlanta Hawks, let's say preseason game. In October, and say, hey, if you guys didn't vote, uh, cast a vote for this candidate, you will swing the election.
0: Well, Arizona so, was same. sorry to interrupt. Arizona was ten thousand five hundred difference from yeah. Biden, so pretty much Yeah, that's now same.
2: if you drill further down to mm-hmm. Senate and House of Representatives, yeah. oh my god, now you're getting
0: really yeah. close,
2: and these are important policy making positions. I mean, so yeah.
1: Look at what just happened in Ohio, right? The yeah. The one
0: in Colorado I saw in the midterm that was ridiculously close. It was like a few hundred, maybe. Yeah. Same.
1: I mean, Ohio's... So,
2: I don't know when this podcast is going to come out. Ohio just yeah. had, um, I think it was Measure 1.
0: Yeah, um,
1: they called it Measure 1. Yeah, the which um, would that have... No, they right. blocked it.
2: So, what, strictly speaking, what it was, is it was going to change the Ohio Constitution so that you need 60% uh, uh, yeah. to, um, I saw that. to amend the Constitution. Mm-hmm. And you needed uh, signatures in all 88 counties instead of just 44 counties, which really was a proxy for abortion because an abortion amendment was on the ballot and it was largely um, seen as gonna protect abortion rights. So yeah, I mean, you need to vote because all these things are coming up. And then I guess the most emotional thing I would say is um, there are people who've given their lives for the right to vote. Like that's that's what a democracy is. That's what a democracy is about. whether it's you know Native Americans, whether it's women, whether it's African Americans, these are people who you know really, really, really sacrificed so that people could um, participate in democracy mm-hmm. and to think that we just have this right and we think oh we take it for uh, yeah exactly yeah. that's yeah. that's sad. good
0: point again uh, one more thing like this I saw I'm reading. Uh-huh. Lauren Boebert yes. in Colorado Boebert. won by. She's very controversial. She's incredibly yeah, right wing. Yeah, she won by five hundred forty six votes in her district last year. It's yeah,
2: that's, that's a really crazy. small number, and that's a district. Crazy. So we're look, So in those races, it is a district is roughly between and 800,000 people. Yeah. Um, we have uh, fifty four districts in California. Um, so you're talking like. I forgot exactly what is in our district. We're now in Brad Sherman's district. We used to be in Ted Lou's district, which pretty much was Hermosa, yeah. Manhattan, Playa, Venice, Malibu. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah.
2: Five hundred votes in an area like that, that's not hard. Why to up? No. No, Why we
1: just split
2: it up. All right. So Ted this, Lou spoke yeah. in my
1: old school once.
2: Yeah. School guy. Yeah, that, that's all it takes to win. I mean, he goes to yeah, goes three to... schools and says, you know, vote yeah. for me, vote for me, vote for me. Does not even say Republican-Democrat. Just says, like, hey, I want to do this, I want to do this, I want to yeah. do this. He just has to charm you. you
0: know?
2: All he has to do is go to <laughs> Brentwood, Winward, uh, Pally, um, Maricosta, and right. be like, oh, yeah, about those student loans, we probably should think about, like, you know, <laughs> yeah.
1: boom, Let's start votes. Let's talking about
2: that. <laughs> votes right off the bat. like,
0: Yeah all right moving on yes why do you like going to you now why do uh-huh. you find yourself so involved and passionate about government and social justice and you can answer this one later and mm-hmm. to build off that what drives you to teach the younger generation about these issues that matter to you? um
2: i think with government and social justice i think it was um you know part of what I you know grew up with, my dad worked in um, politics. He worked for the Guyana government, he worked for the United Nations for a while. So I think I had a kind of an entry into politics from a very young age. Um, in sixth grade when we you know finally started having different classes with different teachers. I think that's when I realized I liked social studies the most the most. yeah. Uh, I got to college, I had a couple awesome professors, awesome teachers. Um, so I think a combination of like I realized I really, really loved teaching. And I realized I really love social studies and history, made me get into it. And then um, I guess over the past 10 years, we saw the stakes of a lot of political decisions really rise. We saw um, increasing levels of partisanship. We saw increasing uh, ways that people can step in and influence the political system. And I think that's become a message that I really wanted to bring to the younger generation. The other thing is, um, I don't think I've told students this story a lot, but a back-to-school night, you know, I kind of talk about history and everything, and then parents come up to me and invariably say, you know, I really, really, really like history. When I was a kid, I didn't like it, but I love it now. And that makes me really want to demystify history and not make it like, let me memorize these dates, let me memorize yeah. this, let me memorize all that, you know, let me write this super long essay. <laughs> I want to make it come to life for people. Yeah. Like, I want to make it something that is... Like, interactive. Exactly, yeah. something that's exciting, something that they care about. So, um. yeah, I mean, I, the, the, my new line is going to be I teach one course. I just teach it through three different lenses. Mm-hmm. I teach pretty much U.S. history, and I teach it either a straight U.S. history as political, you know, U.S. history or political current, which is AP Gov, and kind of a, you know, social history from the position of the marginalized, which is social justice. So
0: You're done with uh, ninth grade?
2: No, I'm still teaching ninth oh. grade. <laughs> I'm still That's teaching ninth excited it'll be yeah, it,
0: it's fun it's fun yeah
2: it's fun
1: um so we don't have time for the fifth question that we had but okay. we do have time for a lightning round oh boy which <laughs> yeah. we just called the lightning round same three questions we ask everyone uh-huh. but we threw in a fourth here okay first question is what's the best LA restaurant
2: the best LA restaurant um lightning round uh Kyushu Ramen in Van Nuys it is a neighborhood sushi, sushi, sushi restaurant okay. uh The reason it's the best is that they're just super friendly when you look at the you know the price point the quality of food everything like that it's just a great like i want something a little fancy but i also want something a little like i don't feel bad about breaking the bank and and eating it on my couch alone on a thursday night or for me (laughs) sunday night
0: yeah all right favorite sports teams
2: uh, so obviously we have to start with uh, international soccer. I was really hoping to see U.S. Women's National Team win it. Oh, that was, um, that was shame. I know, men's side England, obviously familial ties and everything. Uh, football New York Football Giants, baseball, okay. uh, New York Yankees, hockey New York Rangers. <laughs> obviously, I'm from North Jersey. Basketball yeah. L.A. Clippers used to cheer for okay. the Clippers. Let's go. Um
1: i'm none I, of these fans covers, <laughs> covers
2: pretty much a lot of the big sports yeah major league soccer um we're working on it but i like angel city
0: what's that angel oh is yeah, the the oh, that yeah. Yeah. yeah best vacation spot or favorite or favorite
1: favorite
2: vacation, vacation spot
0: place. um i'm
2: gonna have to go with mexico city it's mexico close city. fantastic exchange rate a beautiful, beautiful culture um as you guys would say, great vibes. Great
1: vibes, <laughs> Dude, great vibes. Great vibes. I,
2: I, I really, I really love Mexico City. I mean, it's it's almost getting to the point where it feels a little home and nostalgic and not vacation because I used to live in Venezuela.
0: So.
1: Last question. Uh-huh. Fun fact. We already said this. I hinted at this at the beginning. Mr. Sinclair's our Brentwood cheer coach.
2: Uh-huh.
1: Why are you a cheer coach? What made you want to be a cheer coach?
2: <laughs> this is funny. Um... I actually started coaching completely accidentally. Uh, So I was, uh, for for vibes. For vibes. I I just, I was, it was a hangout. It was, you know, (laughs) so I, um, (laughs) I trained in college. (laughs) When you start training in college, you start, you know, with usually really good coaches, you start at a pretty high level. You get, you know, really good, really quickly. So I had a friend who coached, who, um, asked me, maybe even I was at a party or like a Saturday night or something. She's like, what are you doing tomorrow morning? Do you want to come and spot back handsprings with me? like, 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 do you want to help me? And I was like, yeah, sure, sure, sure. So I get in a car with her. We go up to the gym. I, you know, she's working with a couple high school teams. I work with them, uh, and then she's like, "Okay, you work like nine to twelve, write This down in this clipboard, so I wrote it down. Next week, did the same thing. Same thing. And then I got an envelope with some cash in it. Wow. And I realized yeah. that I yeah, had a job. <laughs> so you know, one thing kind of led to another. Um, and then one of the women who worked there, who actually was the um, girlfriend of my college coach at the time. Said, um, oh, hey, you know, this girl wants to, you know, work on this skill. You know, it's a private lesson. You know, you work with her alone. You know, one-on-one, this and that, this and that. Mm-hmm. Before I knew it, I had, you know, a bunch of customers and everything. <laughs> and, you know, year after year, all of a sudden, I'm doing it for a while. I'm working with teams more closely. Awesome. Start building a resume. All of a sudden, I have a super long resume. I move out to California. I start, you know, I coached a high school team pretty much right as soon as I got off the plane. I coached All-Star. I coached college. Nice. Um So, yeah, it was a really big part of what I did. And then when I came to Brentwood, I thought uh, that was pretty much going to be it because I wasn't looking to coach here. But um, Molly Sullivan, the assistant coach here, I'd coached in high school, and the head coach was leaving, and she said, you know, hey, do you want to come coach? And I was like, all
0: right, let's do it. There it is. Awesome. All right. All right, thank you so much. You're welcome. That concludes our interview.
2: It was a pleasure. Yeah, I guess we should uh, probably leave some time for some outro music. Of
1: course. Hit the outro music.
0: Jack. I feel like it's a game show it's clock. Ga- it's game show time. All right. Quick update. Sam Greenberg, who is me, is up three to one. Currently in the score. We yep. know the rules. Jack hit it. Ask me a question. I get the honors this week because I'm cool. Yes. Who did the U.S.
1: purchase Alaska from?
0: Russia. All right.
1: Jesus. That was quicker than I thought
0: it was. Um. 1-0. Jack, what decade did Hawaii become a U.S. state? What decade? Okay. Well, I, I preface this. We were talking about discussing Hawaii earlier for tragic reasons. Okay. Jack, what decade did Hawaii become a U.S. state? Um fifties. Yes. Yeah. Fifty nine. It was right after World War II right? Dang. Yeah. Fifty nine, yeah. Okay. Fifteen years after. But yeah.
1: What country did the United States defeat in the famous Miracle on Ice game? Russia. Soviet Union. Same thing, I'll bro. Take don't
0: it. even don't even Don't even float. Don't worry, face I'll even, take s- it. Don't even do me okay. Um Jack. We were discussing Georgia. Absolutely. Name me. A, the Democratic politician, the Democrat politician in Georgia who recently lost the governor's race. This person is very popular, on a national level as well. Oh. She is the clue.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. She. I know who she is. She was. um... Give me a name. Oh my gosh, why am I blanking, bro? Why do I blank whenever it's game show time? It's game. Her game. name is. Can you give me a letter? I know her, dude. Bro, didn't she run for senate?
0: I don't know if did you ever say it?
1: It's, oh my God, dude, I know her. No, this is, this is crazy. She's from Georgia. I know, dude, I know this lady too. Well, I don't
0: know. I
1: don't
0: know if you are gonna get this.
1: No, I know her name too. Give me, give me one letter. Okay, Just,
0: the first letter of the first name is S.
1: Stacy Abrams. There you, there you go. Are you getting? It? Are we? Are I we... told you. No, I told you I knew her, bro. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, fine. Okay, last one. You should. I think you
0: know. This. Okay, because you're Samuel.
1: What event is commonly believed to have sparked World War One?
0: Uh, the shooting of Franz Ferdinand in in uh, Bosnia. yeah
1: by... No. Yeah. All right. That would be no. correct. Yeah. Okay. Uh, this is for all the marbles,
0: right? For all the marbles, Jack. Jack, you have to get this. Oh my God! Is it geography question? It is, Jack. We're running a geography. Oh my question God! It's over. Because you need to know your geography, Jack. Georgia is not only a U.S. state; it is also the name of a country. Is in the Caucasus Mountains region, of oh Central Asia slash Europe, it can be considered both. Okay. Name one other country in, in that months. Caucasus Mountain region. I'm not. There's two that are that are definitely in it, and those okay. are the ones that are considered for sure. But there's okay. also some ones that are really close, and if you t- say those as well, I will give it to you.
1: Near Georgia. Okay.
0: Let me think.
1: Is it two to two is it three? It's three to two right now. No, this is if wrong. If I get this. Jack, wrong, you gotta clutch up Jack. How many guesses do I get?
0: None. You right? get one. I get one. Yeah, because you I you got you got helped on that Stacey yeah. Abrams question. So you get one guess.
1: Institute shot clock really quickly. So I so I could twenty. So it makes me dis- Nineteen. Make me come up eight, with the AI.
0: Eighteen. Seventeen. Sixteen. 15.
1: Sam, 15. what is Poland?
0: No! That is a win for Sam Greenberg. Can you
1: give me the countries that would a be A correct aesthetic? answer
0: could have been Azerbaijan, Armenia, Russia, Iran, maybe even Turkey I would have given you. That's oh, about Oh, so it. Georgia's in that area? Yeah. Okay. Poland's pretty... not.
1: No, Poland's Poland
0: is far away from there. Different region. Yeah. All right. That is a win for Sam Greenberg. Sam Greenberg is now winning 4-1 in the total series. That is all for Episode 5. Thank you so much for listening.
1: We out.